Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This week on the Scarecast. It was on this same beach that nine-year-old me found a dead body floating in the ocean. After some while of sitting in my spot, a strange guy walked over and placed a full cup of soda on my table. We were heading out of the woodland and were planning to shack up in a motel for the night before heading home in the morning. I thought we were free and clear. This is a story that happened to me when I was a child. I thought I'd share it on here. I've never shared this with anyone really before, so here we go. This took place around 2008, if my memory serves me right. Me and my family had just moved to Costa Rica, and we enjoyed spending most of our time at the beach. One beach in particular, which was near a lovely little river I'd like to swim in. It was on this same beach that nine-year-old me found a dead body floating in the ocean. To give a little context, I had been playing on the beach, which we thought was relatively safe. So my parents were farther up. How wrong we were about it being safe. I remember seeing something floating in the water, but I wasn't sure what it was, so I went to investigate and I found a dead body just floating there. Part of his leg had been hacked off, and it was obvious that he had not drowned. The man had clearly been murdered. Around this time, we had heard about a string of murders that had happened both on the Caribbean side of Costa Rica, where we were, and on the Pacific side. The murders had been happening every six months, rotating in both regions of the country. So there was a reason to assume that this murder had been done by the same person since it seemed to fit the timeline. As far as I can remember, 
The details of the murder were never disclosed in any of the local newspapers, only that the man had been a tourist from England. So there was no way for anyone who had not seen the man on the beach to know the specifics of his murder. Eventually the whole thing blew over and we returned to that same beach. I can't quite remember a time frame but it was definitely within a few months of me finding the dead man that this next part happened. One day I was swimming in the river with my mother when a very strange man popped up out of the water startling us. He had a spear gun in his hand and a snorkel mask on. Anyways, he began talking to my mom and I think we both could tell something was just off about this guy. I wasn't really paying attention for most of their conversation, but I do remember him bringing up the recent murder on the beach and he seemed to know a great lot of details about it, which as I previously mentioned, were not available to the public. It almost seemed as if he was trying to confess that he was the one who murdered the man, but without directly saying so. He also talked about how he traveled in between the Caribbean and the Pacific side of Costa Rica, spending half a year in each spot. Eventually, they also got on the topic of what he did for a living, and he went into a great detail about how he made the mask for the movie Eyes Wide Shut and that he would make those masks as I presume other ones based on real life human emotions and that he specifically liked capturing the look of fear. Of course, we were totally taken back by this guy and didn't really know what to do. Eventually, he just got back into the river and swam away and thankfully, We never saw him again. I do not know if this is related or not, but the weird strain of murders suddenly stopped after that. This happened a few months ago in the McDonald's at Copenhagen Station. I am not Danish only visiting the country for one day, and since I wanted to travel cheap, I decided to take the cheapest bus there, which just so happens to be the one arriving at 11pm the day before. I thought I could save even more money by not renting a bed somewhere, and instead spending the night awake or half asleep at the station, do my business the next day, and sleep long and well on the bus back home. So, this McDonald's is open 24-7, and I pretty early discovered that the station was way too cold for me to get some shut-eye. So, I went inside, bought a coffee, and sat down at an empty table. Plenty of lighting and semi-drunk people to keep me awake, I thought. Before I go on, I should add that I am 23 and female. After some while of sitting in my spot, a strange guy walked over and placed a full cup of soda on my table. He said in Danish something I believe meant, I ate my food already, 
I didn't drink any. You should have it instead. I am Swedish, and although some Swedes understand Danish perfectly well, I have some difficulties doing so. So this is just a guess. Anyway, I didn't really pay much attention to the cup after it was put on my table. I just wrote it off as a random drunk trying to flirt. But I noticed that in front of me, a table away, sat another guy and he was watching me closely because we did lock eyes the times I looked up to peek at him. This creeped me out. I really didn't like being watched like this. He just sat there for nearly an hour, even though he had no food in front of him. In the end, this dude stood up and walked over to me, and I cursed internally, thinking I'd have to defend myself to tell him to leave. But he turned, and there stood the guy that had left the soda cup on my table. He told the soda guy to leave after pushing the soda cup back into his arms and that he didn't want to see him anywhere near this place again. Then, he turned to me and explained in English that the soda guy had walked by my table several times glancing at me and the cup and was probably waiting for me to drink it. He said he'd finished his meal a while ago and just stayed to watch over me, but he had to leave and he reminded me to be careful. I hadn't even noticed Soda Guy supposedly pacing by. I was too fixated on this other dude who just so happened to be the good guy watching over me. Who knows what was in that soda? and what would have happened should I have gotten really thirsty and drank some of it. So, thank you McDonald's guy who washed over me, and let's not meet, soda guy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. I was the first to notice an extra person had joined our group. I counted six of us sitting around the campfire, but I knew we had left home with five. The sixth person had joined us somewhere along the way, but where and when exactly, I could not be sure. All the glowing faces looked familiar, like I had known them all for a lifetime. 
That was why it took so long to find the man out of place. I had to go through the faces one by one. I went through my history with them, recounted how I met them, how I knew them. I fit each one into my memories like puzzle pieces. First, there was Mark. He was sitting next to Sarah, chatting her up as always. I met Mark and Sarah six years ago in 10th grade. Mark and I played wide receiver together on the school football team. Sarah was a cheerleader, and Mark always had a thing for her. The three of us started hanging out at their games, Mark flirting nonstop, and Sarah always hilariously rebuking him after a while. Then there was Ben. We had been best friends since the first grade, inseparable ever since we bumped heads playing tag during recess. He had his arms around his longtime girlfriend, Justine. She started at our school when she moved from Chicago in the seventh grade. Ben sat next to her in English, and soon, she became a part of our group at the time. She was quiet and shy when she first arrived, but once we got to know her, she opened up. She was one of the coolest, nicest people you could ever meet. She had also became close with Sarah in the past few years. And then there was the sixth face, the piece that did not fit. I stared at him, and his name escaped me. That is if it had ever been in my memory banks in the first place. He looked familiar, but I could not place him in my memories. But why? If I recognized him, could I not remember his name? Why did he sit among us, acting as if he belonged? He stared at Mark and Sarah as they chatted. He laughed when they laughed, smiled when they smiled. I couldn't figure it out. The question burnt in my head. How had he, a stranger, joined our little group without any of us noticing something amiss? Yo, Porter. Ben pulled me from my thoughts. Your head's up in the clouds or something? I was just telling Justine about her fifth grade teacher. What was his name again? Uh, Mr. Smith, I said. Oh yeah, Mr. Smith. I was telling Justine how you could just rile that guy up like nothing. You remember that time you handed in that assignment, printed in yellow ink? Ben and Justine laughed. Yeah, I remember, I said. I can still see the steam coming out of his ears. <laughs> they laughed again and I joined in half-heartedly. When I glanced a strange man's way, he was watching us, grinning. He was always watching, never partaking. Part of the reason he had flown under the radar. I was struck with the sense that he was studying us. My skin crawled. Ben drained his beer and threw the empty can in the cooler. Well, I gotta take a leak, he said, and walked into the woods, swallowed up by the dark. You really know how to push people's buttons when you want to, huh? Justine said. I shrugged. I was having trouble focusing on the conversation. The weight of the situation, the reality of it, was starting to hit me. 
a strange man had attached himself to our group unnoticed. And who the fuck knew what his motivations were? Questions raced through my mind. None I could answer. How had no one else noticed yet? Why had it taken me so long to notice? Was I going insane? Did I have amnesia and forget this one friend was ours? What in the hell was going on here? The strange man jerked while he stood up. I gotta take a leak, he said. It was the first time I heard him talk. He spoke with an odd lisp. It sounded as if he forced the words from his throat. He walked with an awkward gait and, like Ben, disappeared behind the dark veil of the trees. No one else flinched. Justine kept talking. I always loved the long relationship you and Ben have. It was so hard moving cities and leaving all my old friends behind. I mean, I can't complain too much. I wouldn't have met Ben and all of you guys otherwise. Justine, don't you see what's going on here? Huh? You telling me you haven't even noticed. Notice what, Porter? What are you talking about? Who was that guy? I gestured to the vacated spot the strange man left behind. Oh, him? He's, uh... She trailed off. She frowned into the fire. I could see her mind ticking over and the concerned look on her face. I knew I wasn't going crazy. I don't know, she said. Who is it? That's what I'm trying to figure out. We stared at each other. Maybe... Justine was cut off. An ear-piercing screech came from the woods. It sounded like a shrill, injured cat. A large cat. The sound split the air and cut our conversation short. A blanket of silence fell over the four of us. Only the crackling campfire persisted. The woods were still and quiet. The fuck was that? Mark broke the silence. I don't know. Sarah said. I've never quite heard an animal like that before. Sounded like some fucked up mountain lion, Justine said. You ever heard anything like that before, Porter? I shook my head. My fingers tingled with adrenaline. Ben was still in the woods and the strange man was out there with him. Dread filled my gut. There's no mountain lions out here, Mark said. It's probably an elk. They can make some creepy sounds. Sarah agreed. Justine bit her lip and scanned the woods. It's probably okay. I think Mark's right, I said to her. But I wasn't sure I believed it. Mark and Sarah had started up their conversation again when the strange man bumbled out of the woods. They paid him no mind. I was hoping something would have triggered them by now, but they were oblivious. The strange man took a beer from the cooler. He fumbled with it, struggling with the tab. It was as if he had never opened a can before. When he finally had it open, he sat, beer in hand, and continued to watch Mark and Sarah, a thin smile on his face. He never did take a sip. I watched him from across the campfire, his head wavering behind the heat. 
I touched on what made me uneasy about this strange man. Aside from the fact he had managed to infiltrate our group without any of us noticing for a long time. He moved with jerkiness and awkwardness like a newborn animal. Nothing he did was smooth or well practiced and it made everything he did look like an actor imitation. I didn't make the connection at the time, but I should have seen this man was not quite human. But at the moment, I wasn't sure what to think. I guess I just thought he was a freak. I considered calling him out then and there. I wanted to ask him just what the fuck he was doing. But I'll admit it, I was scared. I had visions of this guy being some horrific serial killer. And I didn't know how dangerous he was or if he was armed. I didn't want to push him into doing something drastic that can get us all killed. As time went by without any sign of Ben, I became convinced that the strange man had something to do with it. I watched him, plotting, planning, and marking his next target. Anger sprouted from my fear, and I started to see red. I needed to stop him. We used an axe to chop the firewood for our campfire, and it was leaning against my seat. This man was dangerous. I was sure of it. I convinced myself I needed to do something before another one of us was next. I clutched at the axe's handle. The smooth wood felt reassuring in my hand. Justine touched my arm. Porter, where's Ben? I'm getting nervous. It's okay, I lied, patting her hand. I'm sure everything is okay. I stood with the axe in hand. I'm going to go get some more firewood. I announced more awkwardly than I hoped. Uh, okay, dude, Mark said. Porter? Justine's voice wavered. Speaking up was a mistake. I had drawn the attention of the strange man. I walked past him, trying to act as nonchalant as possible, but I was never a good actor. He watched me the whole way. He maintained his glare as I reached a perimeter of the woods, and as he looked back, his head rotated around an unnatural distance. That was enough to chill my spine. I was hoping he would turn around to look away and give me an opening, but he never did. I'm not exactly sure what happened next. I never saw him stand up or walk over to me. I never even saw him move a single muscle, but in an instant, he was standing in front of me, inches away from my face. It was as if he had teleported. A metallic smell stung my nose. The strange man stunk of blood and copper. The axe trembled in my hand. Any thought of actually using it fled my mind. I locked into place, my skin covered in goosebumps. Power radiated off him. He spoke to me. It's some firewood, he said in his forced tone and he smiled wide. At that moment, Ben emerged from the woods. Ben! Justine cried. Jesus, 
Ben said as Justine squeezed him. Did you guys hear that cat thing? We think it was an elk, Mark said. Where were you? Why did you take so long? Justine asked. I guess I wandered too far off and lost sight of the campfire. Took me a bit to find my way back, but for a second I thought I was going to have to freeze my ass off out there alone tonight. The relief washed over my body like a wave, crashing into my muscles. I felt each one relax. At least Ben was safe. I looked for the strange man, but he was gone. He somehow slinked away while I was distracted. He was good at being undetected. My thoughts then turned to getting out of there. Even though Ben was unharmed, that guy was still trouble. I started back towards the group and caught the middle of their conversation. I don't know actually. Yeah, who was that guy? Ben said. I thought he was with you guys, Sarah said. Yeah, isn't he your friend? Mark added. I thought he drove over with you three. No, Ben said. I don't know who he is. The panic spread over everyone's faces. They were finally feeling what I was feeling. The realization had set in. We need to get out of here, I said, before he comes back. Yes, please, Justine said. We have to leave now. That guy was a freak. Right, Porter? Yeah, I said. I explained to them how I noticed he was the odd man out when we were sitting around the campfire. I explained the odd behavior, and they all agreed that the guy was strange and possibly dangerous. None of us could pinpoint exactly when he had joined the group. He had slipped in unnoticed and unaccounted for. It was uncanny. We packed our tents in record time. We trekked the 15 minutes to our cars through dark woods, flashlights in hand. We heard the screech of the elk again, if it was an elk, which I have my doubts about now, and we took some comfort from the fact it sounded farther away. Even so, we picked up our pace for the final stretch of the walk. I felt like I could finally relax behind the wheel and locked the doors of my SUV. Justine and Ben sat in the back, while Mark and Sarah followed behind and Mark's beaten up Ford Laser. We were heading out of the woodland, and were planning to shack up in a motel for the night, before heading home in the morning. I thought we were free and clear. We wound our way around the dark roads that snaked through the woods. I let a smile open up on my face when we finally reached the exit road. It was an arrow-straight stretch of asphalt that split through the last few miles of the woods. I pressed on the accelerator. I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there, and I think Mark was feeling the same way because he sat close on my rear bumper. I remember thinking, at least we'll have a strange tale to tell after this. I didn't think it was about to turn into a horror story. The trees and the dashed lines on the road blurred past us. My headlights reached out to the almost seemingly endless road, and my speedometer 
needled its way towards 100 miles per hour. I didn't know what possessed me to go that fast. And I wish Mark didn't follow my lead. It was a mistake. The strange man appeared from behind a tree. He walked into the middle of my lane. I slammed the brakes, but it was too late. The next sequence of events happened so fast, it plays like a slideshow in my mind. The tires screeched, and there was a smell of burning rubber. The strange man folded over my hood and got sent flying down the road. He skated across the pavement on his back, moving with such speed it looked like as if he was gliding on ice. More tires screeching. Mark flew past in the opposite lane, fishtailing. He fought it, and for a moment, I thought he had it saved. But the car hooked right into the trees. The sickening sound of crunching metal reverberated in the air. Mark's car slammed into the tree, driver's side first, sending fragments of glass and metal flying. The car bounded off one tree and into another. The front passenger side impacted this time. The front light exploded, and the passenger side cavity caved in, sending a wheel bounding into the woods. The crumpled heap of a car came to a rest. Justine was the first one out the door, crying out Sarah's name. Ben went after her, and I followed after him. Everything felt surreal as shock coursed through my body. It was as if watching through a screen. I floated over the asphalt as Justine and Ben sprinted towards the steaming wreckage. The crash scene dimly lit by my SUV's one remaining headlight. There are two screams I'll never forget. They implanted themselves on my brain, and I'll hear their echoes at night forever. If I happen to get Alzheimer's later in life, I know the last thing to go will be these screams. The first one I heard when I was 13. It came from my mother. It flooded the house, splashing off the walls. I ran out of my room to see her crumpled at the front door with two police officers standing by. They had notified her that her eldest son, my brother, had died. The second came from Justine when she saw what was waiting for us in that Ford Laser. Mark was unrecognizable. He was a shattered mess of bone, skin, and blood, melded in and intertwined with the crumpled steel. Sarah was blinking slowly. Her breathing labored. Her one arm shattered, broken in too many places to count. Her legs crushed at the knees from the front of the car, which crumpled back into her leg space. Her legs would have been flat if I could see them. Justine turned away and fell to her knees, face buried in her hands, shoulders heaving. Ben tried to comfort her, but he had to turn away and throw up off the side of the road. I pulled out my phone and struggled to dial 911. With my fingers shaking, 
I kept pressing the wrong numbers. My voice was small and distant as I explained what happened to the operator. She told me to stay on the line, but as I looked down the road, I dropped my phone. The strange man was standing there. His grin reached from ear to ear, showing a grand stand of teeth. His shoulders shrugged up and down as if he was laughing. In fact, the fucker was laughing. If I were not in shock, I would have gone after him right then and there. I would have torn his heart, if he has one, right from his chest. But all I could do was just stare, mouth wide open, struggling to keep the tears behind my eyes. The strange man started for the woods. I watched him go, and I watched him change. I saw it. I know I did. This was no illusion, no trick of the mind. This was real. I saw him shapeshift. I saw his true form. We were not dealing with something human that night. After countless hours of research, I believe I saw what others have called the Goat Man. Its horns stuck out unevenly from its head. Its grinning snout bared rows of sharp teeth and walking upright like a man with an awkward gait. It vanished into the shrouded woods. It has been eight months since that night. I've only seen my friends a handful of times since then. Our relationships have shattered and are left in ruin. All we are now to each other is a stark reminder of that night. Mark is dead. Sarah survived, but as a triple amputee, Justine and Ben broke up, and here I am, rugged with a scraggly beard and uncut hair after spending every sleepless night researching the monstrosity I saw that night. The Goat Man. I'm going back to those woods. So help me God, I'm going back. I'm coming for the Goat Man, and I'm not stopping until one of us is dead. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 